The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 105th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin. I am the host of this lovely show back from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm joined once again, as always, by my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? It is me, and I'm back here on the grind that we call All Things Elite. Uh, I have actually... Doing pretty well. Excited. Oh, double. I, well, we'll talk about this when we uh, talk about the beginning. I almost jumped ahead really quick. But as far as me, I am doing well. Kobe Bryant went into the NBA or the Basketball Hall of Fame today, and there was a lot of yeah. tears. And yeah, so no, I can't complain about today. Yeah, and not only that, but uh, my boy from the 2003 2004. NBA champions, Detroit Pistons, Ben Wallace went into the Basketball Hall of Fame as well, too. If I'm not mistaken, too, I saw that he is the first undrafted player to make it into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which is 
fucking nuts because first off, I can't believe people didn't draft this man because like he was a god in in Detroit. But man, it's like so glad to see him getting the recognition that he deserves because that team in 03 and 04 was like it was so good. Yeah, and they were the last team like them that you'll ever see. Uh, they were <laughs> a, they were a defense first team. They were yeah. They weren't. I mean, they had great. Uh, they had Chauncey Billups, Rasheed Wallace. Uh, I think Rip Hamilton was on that team. Yep, Rip Hamilton. So they Sean had Prince and Ben Wallace. They had a really good offensive team, but their defense was legendary. That is what. Brought them to the yard, kept them in every game, is that they were going to completely shut you down. That's never going to happen again because the NBA no. doesn't really like defense because it doesn't sell tickets. Uh, Detroit Pistons are the kind of the, the mini dynasty that was never supposed to happen. Like all, all those players have been on other teams and pretty much failed. I feel like Detroit, honestly, and we'll get off topic to this and get back to wrestling with AEW, but I feel like Detroit, at least for the Pistons, um, in terms of basketball, I think we're considered to be like, um, when we were successful, people hated us, I feel like, because like, the bad boys were the bad boys, and we were the like two-time winning, like back-to-back years, we won the NBA championships, and like we were one of the few teams to shut down Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan, we all know how he feels about the man Isaiah Thomas. We'll just leave it at that. So, like, we were the first wall that he had to break down to start that dynasty that he created with the Chicago Bulls. Once he broke us down, there was no stopping them. And then when we won in 03 and 04, we beat the Lakers. We were like that time was down the spiral of the Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant team in, of the of the Lakers. Because then I believe I don't remember when Shaq left the Lakers, but like those guys were button heads around that time too. Like just like not getting along too well. But like I have a pretty good feeling. Like I don't think anybody outside of Detroit likes the Pistons. Absolutely. I think the only player on that team, I mean, they had a bunch of also rans. The only player on that team that they drafted, I believe, was Tayshaun Prince. Um, yeah, if you look at the team, I mean, Chauncey Billups, I think he got dra- drafted by Denver. Hamilton was a wizard. Yep. Uh, she Wallace might have been his third team, but I know he I think was, he was in, on Portland. Yeah, he was at least on Portland and being but Wallace wasn't drafted at all. So you look at that team. It was the team that wasn't suppo- ever supposed to be who they, they were, were just five guys. There was no real star uh, player like all five of them were on an even playing field. Yeah, and they did their thing. They like I said, not many times I can say this because everything happens again. They were the last team like them. I mean, just like the players on their team really didn't do anything after they left that team. They Those two years where they made the finals, that was their highlight. And Larry Brown just took guys and made them. I mean, the assistance coaches, Herbie Brown, Mike Woodson, John Cooster, I think I think there are uh, well Herbie Brown or Herb Brown was always uh, I think he was a head coach at some point, but then you have I think Cooster's a coach now, and uh, and then uh, freaking Mike Woodson was a coach, but they all they cared about was 
you know, shutting you down, playing really hard in those defense. So I don't know. I'm not a ba- I'm not a big basketball guy. I'm not gonna break down the X's and O's of basketball. But I remember I hated that Detroit team because they went against <laughs> e- they went against everything I liked about basketball. Yeah, I mean they just they 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 were the antithesis. I feel like of what uh, the NBA was becoming, but like. Uh, sometimes you got to set yourself apart to be successful. But regardless, uh, off of this little basketball talk, also rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, forever and always. Congrats to him, of course, getting into the Hall of Fame. He's, he was going to be in no matter what. It's just a case. Um, we got a lot to talk about with all things elite. AEW this week, we were coming off of blood and guts. We had a lot of things that we're looking forward to. And, of course, we're counting down towards double or nothing. And we're going to get into all of that. Before we get into the show and the nitty-gritty, though, I need to make sure that all of y'all are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, a share would also do the world to us. It would be great if you share it with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. You can also leave a rating and a review to let us know how we're doing. It really does help the show out. If you're also so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. That would be huge of you to do such a thing like that. And you can also support us simply by following us on Twitter. We are on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the podcasting network that makes this show, shows like Keeping It Strong Style, all these wrestling podcasts and other shows possible on their network. Be sure to check out all of them. And myself, I am at SZumer4 on Twitter. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And now, getting into the big news of the week. We got Countdown to Double or Nothing 3 and the whole weekend that's going on with Double or Nothing. So what will be taking place is on Friday, the Friday before Double or Nothing, so the 28th, will be Friday night AEW Dynamite because of the NBA playoffs. They're not going to be on Wednesday. Saturday is going to have the whole Fan Fest where you get to meet wrestlers, all that kind of jazz. And then, of course, May 30th on Sunday is Double or Nothing 3. And we got a lot to look forward to with that. A lot of the matches for Double or Nothing were announced on this episode of Dynamite. So we're going to get into those matches as well, considering that a lot of them were announced within this show. So, so yeah, to add to this, so the tickets went on sale. Uh, we're recording Saturday, May 15th. Uh, tickets to Dynamite and D- Double or Nothing, uh, they were scheduled to go on sale Monday. With a pre-sale starting on Saturday. Well, it looks like so AEW did a pre-sale. There's only 5,000 tickets. So you knew the pre-sale couldn't be that big because it would sell out the arena. So they only sent pre-sale codes to members of AEW Hills. Yeah. They emailed you a pre-sale code and everybody had an individual code. For what I understand, it was supposed to only be used once. Well, my closest wrestling friend and the person I travel to all most of my events with, Tiffany, is a member of Hills. So I got the code because I was getting her tickets. So I got on this morning and uh, I was able to get third row for Double or Nothing, second row for Dynamite. So that uh, that's really cool. That's beside the point. The thing is, as I po- po- uh, posted from the All Things Elite, is that you're going to have a bunch of men mysteriously signing up for heels. <laughs> They're never going to want to go to the videos or something, but it's for pre-sale codes because this is, is this simple. 
if you only make pre-sale codes available to a certain group of people, people are going to find out how to become a group of those. Oh, yeah. There are, I will tell you, there are members of the Florida State Booster Group that are basically ticket scalpers that literally get to buy their, they join the Booster Group of Florida State to get first access to tickets so they can then sell them. So if you don't think people are going to pay $49.99 a year to be, in their eyes, guaranteed a pre-sale code for events, you're, you're mistaken. That's all I can say is you're mistaken. So, so yes. So with this with this being the case though, do you think it was like are you leaning towards of uh was it a bad idea for them to make it exclusively to heels or are you on the like of like it's cool that they did this for heels because we're already being like heels is pointless it's a waste of money yada 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 and then they give something that's like actually like well worth the price and then but then people are going to try to take advantage of it like what's your stance on the whole idea? They've always said there were going to be perks to heels that you weren't going to be able to get anywhere else. So I'm happy for the people in heels as a person that identifies as male and is also an AEW fan. I would like there to be a fan club for men. Well, I figured that the whole all elite fleet thing that they did with TNT was kind of that thing. No, they don't really use that anymore. No, see the difference between all elite fleet and heels Hills, they have the meetings with the wrestlers on, giving talks, doing things to empower women. I, I love it. I love it for the people that go. I I never went. I've never signed up. I understood who the target audience for that was, and I wanted to let them enjoy there. But when you start doing something that is affecting tickets and how you get to events and your ability to go to the event and how close you get to the event... I think it's almost unfair to leave a part of your audience out of it. Okay. You know yeah, what I, I mean? Can, I don't I, can see what I want them to have all the benefits ever. I am not taking anything away from AEW Hills. I I my friends my friends look forward to it. They feel empowered by it and great. But when you start affecting how you can go to the events and there's a certain group of people in your fan base that you are literally excluding from being able to get that benefit, whether this is one time or whether this is like, are you going to be every time it, it, it rings, it rings unfair in a situation where it's very easy to be fair. All right. Now, I'm not. I'm not saying life is fair. I know some people get benefits, some sure. people don't. But this is a situation where it's very easy for it to be fair. Just make an AEW fan club, charge forty nine ninety nine. You know, say hey, you get a pre sale code. I also did have another idea, and I don't understand why anybody hasn't done this. Follow me. You're AEW. You're WWE. You're a concert person with the fan clubs and stuff. Dude, a week before your tickets go on sale, say, hey, we got a hundred or a thousand, whatever the number it is, one time use individual pre sale codes and you could buy them for like $49.99. Why are they not doing that? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. It, I, it, it, that just seems like easy money. 
All, all you're doing is paying for early access to purchase tickets. That doesn't mean you're guaranteed first or second row. <coughs> it just means you're guaranteed early access. It even and it makes it even more exclusive to more where more people will want to buy tickets early. And again, I think the always concern about it is that people that just get into it just so they can scalp the tickets for a shitload of money with any time you uh, give access to tickets early. I feel like that's always a concern. But like, I don't know. It's like I. I know my sister personally is a part of Heels. I think she is at least. She might have stopped being a part of it. I don't remember. But like, I think it's really cool for them, honestly. And I th- I feel like I would be a lot more um I'd have a lot more if I knew like where they were exactly cutting off of like what tickets they were allowing pre-sales of. Because if they were allowing front row, I'm sure that would be pissing off a lot of people. Well, let me let's be honest. Most of the time when you go into these things, front row is generally not available. Like yeah. I was one of the early access on there and I got third row. And then, you know, some people got second. I don't think there was even a front row ticket available. That's what I, I assumed. Yeah. yeah. More than likely, if you've been to most AEW shows I've been to, front row are friends and family. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. If you look around the front row, it is dignitary celebrities, friends, family. You got some kind of hookup to get front row at AEW. Very rarely do you just get a general admission ticket. Or, I mean, just general go on to buy and get a front row second. You probably get second or third row. That's just how it is. I I mean, I don't understand. I've noticed this with AEW. Some fans, whether they are actual AEW fans or outside of AEW, somehow want AEW to solve scalping. And they, and they feel like AEW needs. Gonna, yeah. it, it, it feels like AEW should take up the mantle of scalping and, you know, somehow solve that problem. Even though no other concert or other. I'm like, there are certain comedians and certain musicians that are so anti scalping that they handle their own tickets. And they're like, okay, to get in the event, it had you have to swipe the card that you buy the ticket with and show an ID. And they are very dedicated. They are have taken on that they don't care about taking on all the headaches. Because what if you lose the card? What if you don't have your ID? What if you can't go? All those things that go along with buying tickets, right? They're willing to take on the headache. Most major companies aren't. Yeah. They count on, I imagine, WWE for about 20 to 30% of the count tickets, they count on scalpers. I don't think AEW should handicap themselves at all with that. I think they should do what everyone else does because it's a business. Now, somewhere down the line, they see, hey, we're selling 10,000 seats, but only 6,000 people are showing up because of scalpers. Maybe they do something down the line. But... It's not an issue right now, you know? So when, whenever I was at an event, it was, you know, wall-to-wall, person-to-person. So, I like I said, it's just one of those things. I don't know why people are holding AEW to this weird standard that they have to solve scalping. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure Double to Nothing is going to sell out in four seconds. You know what <laughs> I mean? I mean, like, seriously. I, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody that had a pre-sale code 
Like I said, I went and bought it. I found out the code actually could work multiple times. I'm hoping people didn't use that, even though, you know, you know, even though I wouldn't yeah. really blame them. Like, let's say I was a heel. Let's say I was a heel and I had a code and uh, I couldn't go to the event for some reason. Oh, that thing's going on eBay or I'm going on Twitter sure. looking for the highest bidder. Because, good Lord, 50 bucks you've paid for your heels thing for all year. There's no, I mean, I would definitely do it. But, but like, I, like I said, I say make it more available and make more money. Say, hey, 50 bucks, you get a pre sale code. 100 bucks, you get a pre sale code. They get you in early. I don't know. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm a greedy bastard that just wants, you know, negative uh, attention. But, uh, dude, I would. If you want to, because, dude, people were on Twitter oh, and on Facebook. Oh. I mean, you would have thought, man, you would have thought that uh, they were fiending for that pre-sale code. You would have thought there was some heroin in that pre-sale code. They were like, please, man, please. I'm like, seriously. I'm please, gonna, uh, man, have t- some more. Tiffany's got her tickets, and it's like 11 comments. Like, for every comment that I'm happy that you get to go, there's a comment. Hey, could you share that pre-sale code with me? Hey, oh. Hey, hey, listen. Hey, 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 listen. Let me get that free sale code. Yeah, yo, 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 you got you got another one of those? Yeah, exactly. They fiending for those free sale codes. For which for us as AEW fans, it's great because you know it's gonna sell out really quick. But you know, for the people that didn't get the free sale code, I am sorry. Hey, I have. Here's the deal, though, man. Like for a year, scalpers have been dying. They ain't got no tickets that they can be scalping. That's yeah, the deal with them. They, so, like, they, they're they are fiending to be scalping some tickets. The, yes, so they if need. If you're going to a show like immediately after like the pandemic's over and everything like that, and you're not expecting scalpers, come on. Yeah, you know they're gonna be out in full. They've been full. out of work for a long time, so uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm very excited. Uh, like I said, got really close seats. They're doing a fan fest thing. Uh, I'm a little worried about the fan fest. This is some you'll hear from the nerdy uh, Mark wrestling fan. The, their fan fest is they're doing like it's like forty, fifty dollars, and like eighty dollars for a family. And I'm just gonna be real. It sounds real access ish. Now, mm-hmm. is access bad? No, not per se. But if you're a person that like you have this particular, you you you're a person that just has this particular person you want to meet. Like with my buddy Tiffany, she just wants to see Cody, right? Sure. Well, if they do the whole general thing, generally the way they do it is that that you're not guaranteed to meet the one person you want to meet, like Cody. The Young Bucks, Kenny, their lines are, I mean, especially if like Sting's going to be there or something like that, their lines are going to be out the door. It's only from 12 to 5, right? <laughs> so it's only from 12 to 5. It's $30. They say tickets start from $30. A fans and family four pack is $80. So unless the tickets are done a little differently than I'm thinking in my head, <laughs> it sounds like it's going to be kind of a free-for-all. So I know that's not going to make some people happy, especially people that were used to StarCast, uh-huh. where it was like, literally, you could go meet as many people as you can afford. 
you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, the shit, well, the whole thing went on for like the entire day. The, the entire day, but it's like twelve to five. So you're, it, it is. If you like sleep, this is definitely going to be good for you because you'll get dynamite the next night, and you don't have to be at the fan fest until noon. It's only till five. You get that whole evening, and then you don't have to be until the pay per view till the next night at like eight Eastern. So. Yeah, you'll be able to get more sleep than you've ever been able to get at one of these events. But like I said, it's just, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how everyone's going to feel about it. Like I said, I, we've got no details on what it's going to be. All I see is there's going to be live matches, live stage show, unrestricted podcast, critical botch live campaign. So they're going to be playing video games. Way in. Uh, they're going to be meet and greets, AEW artifacts and relics, jazz wear products, and much more. So, like I said, it could be Starcast. It could just be like a Starcast, like a mini Starcast, or it could be AEW doing their own thing. We're going to have to get more information, but like I said, the the prices and uh, things sound really access ish, and if you are a fan of access. You know, five hours, you might meet two people, three people, maybe just depending on the lines, unless you pick a lot of the lesser known people, you're not going to meet a lot of people, I, I, you know, so I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. Let's have some fun. That's just me speculating. I will give more information as we get closer to the event. I am just glad that I'm going to be around and people. Uh, the CDC announced this week, if you have been vaccinated, fully you, too. if you have been fully vaccinated, you don't need a mask anymore. Will I still be wearing my mask? Yes, because this weird thing happened when I started wearing masks. Whenever before COVID, every time I would go to an event with a lot of people, I would come home and I would be sick for two or three days. During COVID, when I wore a mask and I started you know, having my hand sanitizer with me and washing my hands like a crazy person. I came home from that weekend and I wasn't sick. Yeah, I mean, like Sydney, when we when we came home from Revolution uh, back before pan the pandemic hit, like she got con sickness basically when we came back with C two E two and the show. So like she was she was sick like crazy um, before, and it wasn't COVID. We know that because it was like COVID hadn't really reached over here yet. But regardless. Like when we came from Vegas and stuff like that, like we were we were peachy keen, like no no issues whatsoever, and like we were masked up and everything. Yeah, so like yeah, so this whole thing where I would always get sick when I came back from events went away. So it's like you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go back to doing that. I'm gonna go back. Go. I'm gonna stick with my whole. Stick with my whole a, cause I was I was carrying hand sanitizer like in my bag, and like anytime I touched anything or got in the surface, I was cleaning up, making sure I washed my hands. Stuff you should do like all the time, but you were thinking about it because of COVID, and it's just like like I said, I came home and I wasn't sick, so let's let's there you go, yeah. 
that's the starter. That was the start. That starter. is the start of it. Yeah, yeah. obviously. And we're gonna we're, we'll have um, reports on how everything goes, of course, from our man on the floor, Floyd Johnson Jr., who will be at the show. So he will give us a rundown of how everything went from his perspective, and you'll be able to get like an eyewitness report on how everything was handled with FanFest when it takes place. So be sure to keep tuned in to All Things Elite to be able to hear that. It will be on the show after Double or Nothing. So there you go. But we got to get into AEW Dynamite for this week. And we kicked off the show hot out the gate with the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match between the IWGP US Champion John Moxley versus Blue Justice Yuji Nagata. Moxley was accompanied by Eddie Kingston and Yuji Nagata was accompanied by his young boy Ren Narita. And also, John Moxley came out to Wild Thing by the Trogs. And I will say this. I love the fact that AEW is getting all these licensed songs that they can use for entrances and shows and stuff like that. And I love how it's worked for uh, Orange Cassidy with his licensed music. I love how it works for Jungle Boy with his licensed music. Here's the deal with that. While I love that they did that for John Moxley with Wild Thing, it fits well. I, I really like John Moxley's current theme. I would like it to stay that way, honestly, because honestly, Wild Thing with John Moxley's entrance, which is so amped up and energetic, like he comes out there like the TV, the TV appropriate version of what you would get with Nick Gage, where he's just energetic and he's moving. Like Nick Gage is what you get when you go to a, a GCW show and he's fucking out there and wild and crazy and like goes nuts. But this is what you get with a TV version of that. So I would like them to keep John Moxley's current theme. I really, I really like it though. But this was really cool. And this match itself was really, really strong to kick off the show. Honestly, despite the fact that I had a really strong inkling that John Moxley was going to retain the title, because while I think Yuji Nagata is a fucking legend and he's great and he's amazing, I did not think that he was going to be the one to take the title off of John Moxley. But there's always that leading feeling where you're wondering, like, well, it's a New Japan person on an AEW show. Will they give a New Japan their title back on AEW to give it, like, a big pop? Um, it was not the case. John Moxley was able to win hitting uh, the Paradigm Shift or what they call uh, over in Japan. What was the move called in Japan? I keep forgetting. Uh, the Death the, Rider. The Death Rider. Yeah, that's right. So he hits the Death Rider on... Yuji Nagata and gets the victory. It was a really strong match. These guys beat the hell out of each other. And Nagata, like, man, has not lost a step with how he wrestles. He Dude still kills it so much. I loved especially how uh, Excalibur and Jim Ross were doing really well of share case, show, like really giving a lot of background to people who didn't know who Yuji Nagata was. I love the fact that they popped about the fact that it wasn't it was the first time Yuji Nagata was on TNT in like over 20 years. I love that they mentioned that. But this was a really strong opener. I love that I the New Japan crossovers that are happening with with uh, AEW. I loved it when Kenta showed up. I still loved it when Nagata showed up. So I hope that we get to see John Moxley defend the IWGP US Champion again on on Dynamite, and maybe that's when he ends up losing the title to somebody from New Japan. Who knows? So. Apparently, uh, I don't know if this is going to be his permanent music in AEW, but apparently the wild thing was a shout-out or homage to Onita, who he's ah. a big fan too of. 
that's the music he came out with in the 90s. And Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone that listens, but that's kind of how I, uh, that's what I took from the internet when I was looking at it. Second of all, uh, me personally, as a person born in the 80s and growing up, there is only one person that should come out to the Wild Thing theme song, and that is Mr. Rick Vaughn. A.K.A. Charlie Sheen from the movie Major League and Major League go. Two. Uh, it was like when I heard it, I was like, "This is this is wrong." I mean, unless Charlie Sheen is coming out and pointing to the rafters where Don Roxley comes out, this is wrong. This is Charlie. This is uh, this is Rick Vaughn's thing. But again, anyone five to ten years younger than me will definitely not associate that song with the movie Major League or Major League Two. Um, yeah, uh, I, th- I thought the music was cool. It de- definitely goes along with his personality. I hope it was just like the one-time thing because yeah. he was uh, doing it. Uh, his character technically in New Japan is different than his character from AEW. Uh-huh. So maybe that's the way. I, I said I would mark out Ren Narita was kind of his young boy in AEW. Now, if Ren Narita just... Stayed hanging around AEW and started rolling with Mox and uh, Mox and Kingston. Uh, I would definitely pop for that because he had a little, he had a leather jacket like he was trying to be like Mox when it, it was when they were doing it in AEW all before the pandemic happened and everything. So we will see where that goes from there. The match I can describe as fun. It was physical and fun. It was like what your old, you know what you know like kind of like an old school wrestling match just very physical very strong style and it's uh in in their attacks man i did think uh jr and all of them did so much of a job of putting over yuji nagata you would have thought he was okada the way they put him over uh you know it was just like japanese legend fierce champion i was like man they could be a lot of times they could be talking about okada in the same sentence of course there are some definitely distinct differences because the yuji nagata is 53 sorry i had to clear my throat there but because uh yuji nagata is 53 but uh i think they did a really good job of making the importance of this match and how even the idea that he wants to wrestle till he's 70 was a good point because, you know, 53 is old for a lot of people. But if you're planning on wrestling till you're 70, you're still kind of in your prime. Yeah. And like I said, Nagata has shown no sign of stopping from the way that he's been going recently. So I, I, I would like, I mean, like, if he can keep it up, I'd like to see him go that far. Yes. I really love this match. I want to give it his uh, want to give it his due and its credit, but I've been itching all week to talk about what we're about to talk about next. Yes, real quickly, I will mention before we get into the next main point of this show, which was we had a quick backstage uh, interview with Ortiz, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara of the Inner Circle, basically just saying that Jericho wasn't on the show because he was injured, and Santana was detained because he stabbed uh, MJF with a fork. Um, and so that was the reason why they weren't there. So, like, you can hide behind the fact that you won and that you were cowards for throwing Jericho off that stage. But listen, you didn't kill us yet, so you haven't lo- you haven't really won. So give us our rematch, or we will put you in your grave. 
That is what they said. We'll get into more of the inner circle and the pinnacle later on. Now we have to talk about the American Nightmare Cody making his announcement regarding his plans for Double or Nothing on Sunday, May 30th. He talks about Anthony Agogo. And he talks about how when he got covered up, he got knocked out by getting shot in the gut with his brutal right hand. Or was it left hand? I can't remember. Regardless, he gets covered with the Union Jack with the United Kingdom flag. And Cody cut a very, very patriotic, political, <clears throat> American promo talking about uh, Anthony Agogo, about how Anthony Agogo has a visa courtesy of the United States and he gets paid courtesy of the United States Treasury and is talking about just Americans and what makes them American and how he didn't come here to live the English dream or the England dream and he talks about how when he comes to wrestle uh, Anthony uh, Gogo, hold on, this nothing. Hold on, I'm gonna actually read the quote because I actually typed it out because I just thought it was. Of course, he did. I actually thought it was pretty powerful. He said, "Because for one night, for one night, I'm going to pick up a sword that is all too heavy, but it's either me or my brother who have the right to pick it up. So for one night, Justin Roberts, this relates to you. Nothing on presentation's sake will be different." It comes from deep inside. As I said, at double or nothing, it will be Anthony Agogo versus the American dream, Cody Rhodes. Oh, yeah. Had my soul shaking. Had my soul shaking. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. I'm getting chills. Yes. So, sir, uh, share your thoughts on this because I've been interested in hearing your thoughts. And I've purposely not asked you on Twitter, Facebook or anything else we talked about because I wanted to hear what you thought about it. As someone who is quite a bit younger than me, your take on this whole thing. Yeah, we we touched on it a little bit before we we started recording and I, I didn't really share too much about it because technically... I'm like a zillennial, I guess you would say, like in between Gen Z and millennial. So I am in the younger generation and that younger generation. I was born in 97. So like I've lived through some of the worst of the worst that this that has happened in this country. Um, And that being said, too, it's like. Politics and patriotism and all that kind of stuff has been an interesting ride with me, and I don't want to get too nitty gritty into the weeds of everything and whatnot but i will say this when i saw the road that cody was looking to talk about on his promo when it was like when he was laying it out from the start of the promo and how he was talking about america and how he was talking about our country and he was leading in about how it was basically he was setting up just the fight across the pond that it was going to be um when it started getting set up honestly i was getting a little nervous but at the same time i said in the back of my head man i was like dude this is cody like this man on the mic like he's one of the best in AEW and I don't I can't think of many times where Cody's really floundered when it comes to being on the mic I really can't and as the promo kept going along and as he kept bringing things around and when he was talking about like the division and anger in this country and he talks about how like arguments is what makes Americans Americans because they have the freedom to share and talk about those opinions i thought and the big thing he said too and like it's the one thing i truly 
hold close to me with that is the one line he said was when he said our empathy outweighs our anger, which with me is 100%. I get mad a shit ton when it comes to politics, anything that goes around uh, like stuff with our country sometimes or world politics or stuff like that. I get angry all the time. But the one thing that will never change is that I will always be empathetic to somebody who is like a genuinely good, kind person as much as I possibly can. So that is where Cody won me over right there. Everything else, I was like, fuck yeah. The beautiful shot, honestly. And I love the fact that this just seemed like the guy was just there wearing the shirt, though, when he talked about how uh, Brandy will be giving birth to a beautiful white, beautiful black American princess. Shun neither. She will have like she has lays both claims to that it cuts to a fan in the crowd who's wearing a black lives matter shirt and that right there like fucking what a cut like just from a broadcasting stat that just works so well from a like topic perspective and such using the american dream as his as his moniker for this match is huge and i love the way he set it up there's nobody on the mic, I feel, that, like, in terms of that kind of, like, string you along and have you on sitting on every single word he says. You're always leaning, seeing where he's going, and he just, like, carries you along with a, on a ride as he's cutting his promo. And you just know, like, even if you're like, eh, where are we going with this? Like, he's still got you. And he's like, listen, no, you're just going to, you're at a specific point right now. I'm bringing you to where I want you to be. He sells the match. He does it incredibly. He does it better than most. And, like, he did it great, dude, honestly. And for, I know you you mentioned, um, and you'll say this too when you talk about your point, how people thought certain things he said was corny. And, like, that's just different perspectives. I thought Cody knocked it out of the goddamn park with this. So, my friend JR uh, sent me a message to, like, he's like, uh, where where was it? When Cody started his promo, I was like, tread carefully, man. Where are you going? <laughs> so I was like, and I, and I put rolling on the floor, laughing. Uh, he knows what he's doing. And I want to get to this. I know. He said it in the very, he's like, being a patriot is old hat. And no one knows that like me. Because I grew up in the 80s with Hacksaw Jim Duggan chanting USA and literally the uh, Russian nightmare Nikita and Ivan Koloff. The Koloffs were bad guys and Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. You know, politically charged wrestling was very much a part of what professional wrestling was. Hulk Hogan was literally the real American. We were in a Cold War. Uh, You know, being an American versus a Russian was all that mattered. Russia was coming to get us, and you needed to be on the Americans. So that's that's how I grew up. So when Cody cut this promo, and it, it cut this powerful, it was just the updated version of every patriotic promo you've ever heard in your life, right? And it was just like it was, it was Rocky Four. It was everything. If I can change. You can change. Everybody you can, can change. change. Yes, it was all of this. So, man, I'm, I'm like, listening to this promo, and I'm like, at first I was like, well, kind of like, ah, I mean, it sounded like he didn't know where he was going, but then he ties it all together so beautifully, and I thought this was one of the better promos of his career, but I know this. 
I knew this. I was like, Cody's going to be buried for this promo. Why? Sure. Because you're not allowed to be a Patriot in 2021. Yeah. I think... Being a flag-waving a Patriot, I love America, is equated to being a Trump supporter. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it, it really is. It, it's equated to that. I think, I think I think definitely like you're 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 leaning towards the church. Like you're way more likely. Like if you have an American flag hanging outside your house, or you wear American flag merchandise or stuff like that, like stuff like any shirt or something that has an American flag on it, you're gonna be viewed to be more far right than you are far left. And that's just because like you, like it's just the way that the stereotypes are what they have been claimed as yeah i, I yeah. think you're leaning towards the right direction it may not be right but that's yes the case. so that's what it is also cody is a rich white southerner from georgia uh, he carries that atlanta flag like nobody's business you know yeah. he, he, he does he does he carries that atlanta flag like nobody's business so it's just like everybody wants to believe what they want to believe of whether he's right wing. I don't care. I've never cared about what your political stance is when I'm watching you perform on TV. You know, I don't care. I don't care in real life. I really don't care if you're a Trump supporter. I believe you are allowed to feel whatever way you want to feel. But I was raised in a different time where a lot of people had differences of opinions and you just learn to you know, live with it and accept it, right? It wasn't as polarizing as it is now. It's like, if you're this way, you hate people and you hate children and you hate this and, you know, whatever. It, it wasn't that way. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is to how it relates to wrestling. Being, being, a, a, being a, a patriot in the 80s was a way to get you over. When it was Kurt Angle, when he came out with the red, white, and blue, it was a way to be a heel. Yeah. And now Cody's cutting this very patriotic promo. I knew it was going to be polarizing. And I, I know I know it's going to be really hard for people to accept this because I am a, a African-American man in America. I consider myself very much a patriot. I... My dad was a Marine. My uncle was in is retired Air Force. My uncle and his four brothers, all of them went into the military. My dad had four brothers. All of them went in the military. My life is so much better because to a lot of people who couldn't afford college back in the day, the military was the way to go. And I am a very much a benefit of my dad's sacrifices to this country. So I grew up being taught to respect America, right? And I've been up and I'm like, I know America is not perfect. But you know what I've also learned? If you watch CNN or anything for five minutes, that no country is. Nope. Every country in this world there is a contingent of people in that country that hates the country. Switzerland, 
the Netherlands, Canada, all these places the people say are perfect. <coughs> there are people that hate that country and do what they can to leave it. Right? So what I'm saying is I can love something even if it's not perfect. I I thank God I can because my wife is able to love me even though I am far from perfect and I am able to love her even though she's slightly not perfect. She has to be less not perfect than me, you know what I mean? You know, that's how it is. Yeah, of course. Of yeah, course. okay, say. But that's the whole thing. I can love my country. So in this in this post, in this thing, he even talks about the things not to like about this country. Even he's talked about in the same city that, you know, slavery and, you know, segregation was a part of in Atlanta. He's now marrying his black wife and they're going to have a kid and the kid's not going to be not going to shun either one of her races. That's what he was saying. He was talking about the evolution of America. Yeah, he the evolution of patriotism. Yeah, he wasn't talking about, he wasn't saying, oh, America's perfect. He was pointing out some of America's flaws in the same promo. So, like I said, I know he was going to catch shit. My only thing that honestly bothered me was not that about it being patriotic. I even seen some tweets how Cody thinks he's a civil rights uh, icon now, and they got all sorts of pictures. I get it. It's the internet. It's the internet. They're going to do that. My biggest problem is someone said it was kind of incoherent, and they couldn't tell where he was going. Yeah. If you watch wrestling, the last moment Cody was on screen before this promo, and Niagogo had knocked him out and laid a UK flag over him. Within the first seconds, when he's talking about America, the fact that you couldn't get that this was going to challenge Anthony Agogo, I, I, I mean, if you truly couldn't understand it, I wonder how intelligent you are. <laughs> but my wife, who doesn't watch this, knew it after the first sentence. There you go. She doesn't even watch wrestling. <laughs> She doesn't. She's heard me talk about it or whatever, but she was just in the room eating dinner and she got it after the first sentence. Yeah. No, exactly. Oh, uh, he's going to try. Uh, he's going to uh, challenge the UK guy. She didn't even know the guy's name. <laughs> but so I, that's why I was like, I don't understand how anyone could say that it wasn't linear. It was very linear. When they said he had a big announcement, everybody was like, oh, I wonder what the announcement is. I was like, he's challenging a go-go. The guy that knocked him out, how do you not know what the announcement is? <laughs> <laughs> he knocked him out and then spread his flag across them. If that ain't calling you a bitch, I don't know what it is. <laughs> so, again, this is wrestling. I'm talking about wrestling, not politics or anything. It's just like, in wrestling... There was a very linear line between the last thing that happened to Cody and the first sentence out of his mouth. Yeah, and I will say, too, um, like to cap off my thoughts about it, too, is like as a younger person in terms of my history in wrestling, like I started in 2009 and stuff like that. So the whole like 
USA. Like one of honestly, it's like it's interesting to think about too. It's like one of the first like big moments, like in the first like less than five years I'd been watching wrestling. I remember back Extreme Rules when John Cena announced about the assassination of Osama bin Laden and that was treated with the whole like USA, USA, USA. And my response was like yeah, he was a shitty dude, but like, like we're literally cheering someone's death, and like, but that was me, like, just as a younger person too. It's just I didn't fully understand everything, but considering myself in the way that I carry myself, um, I've said more than like, like again, this is the most political I'll ever get on this show, and I won't do it again. I promise you, I don't want to burden you with that kind of stuff. It's just my opinions, and you have what you have, and that's regardless. I I truly think I wouldn't want to live anywhere else other in this uh, on this earth rather than this country. I 100% believe that. I criticize this country a lot. I feel like if you go your entire life without criticizing something you love and only criticizing something you you hate, you're not going to be living a, a full life. Like I love a many of things: wrestling, movies, television, video games, music. But you have to have a sense of criticism in those things that you love. So that way you can more appreciate everything about it, I feel like. I I see people looking at Cody being the American nightmare and going into this match as the American dream and having the ridiculous tattoo on his neck and wearing American t-shirts and stuff like that and being the blue-eyed, blonde hair, uh, southern boy and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. But I never had a problem with it. I saw him as Cody Rhodes. That was the whole thing I saw him as. And I know for a fact that Chris Jericho has done certain things politically that I do not agree with. I still think he's one of the best wrestlers of our time. Yes. Whether or not I agree with him politically or not, I love watching him on on my wrestling shows. And that will never change no matter what he does. And I feel like at least with people my generation, I think we have to learn like how people act like – because like I have family that are Trump supporters, and again, most political I'll get. I promise I'll get off this train sooner or not. And like they're they are good people, and I know that. I don't agree with any like most of the things they talk about with certain things, and some of them have gone off the crazy train and stuff like that. It doesn't change the fact that I still care about them and I love them. And I think if we look at that and just see how people act, whether it's like what they think, that's the true defining character of somebody and with cody on his promo he said some things where i was like eh, where are we going with this man but like cody's still one of the best he just is yeah and it's that's all it comes down to it's just if you think of it as a pro wrestling promo and nothing else if you don't think about how it affects the world or what it means to the world it's just a wrestling promo yeah and that's and, a, if we're, and it's just it's a throwback wrestling promo too. Yeah. Like yes. Oh wow! See, and, and I just saw a tweet. USA fights. USA chants at fights are gross, and I just don't. I don't understand. See, where, I don't get, see like I, I, I'm, I'm used to that though. With like every time after the national anthem, when I go to shows, like for wrestling shows, people chant USA and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> like that's I've. It doesn't bother me at all. But no, like. Uh, it's just so funny because, like, Conor McGregor comes out and he's Ireland this, Ireland that. He's all about being from Ireland, right? No one in America gives him shit. 
No. Drew McIntyre, the Scottish warrior, all about loving from Scottish. No one in America gives him shit. Canada, you know, people talk about loving Canada. No one gives them shit. And but if Kurt, you're for, for, for Kurt Angle, it really took him to because I wanted to mention the Kurt Angle thing. It took him to be the wrestling machine that he was for people to really be like, okay, this guy's dope. Yeah, but if you're American and you actually like America and you talk about good things about America, somehow you're the devil. I don't understand that. I think I don't think I don't know if they think you're the devil, but I think they view it as way more corny and ridiculous than they do with anybody else like but, repping their country. But and yes, that's just because it, I think they don't they don't know necessarily enough about the other country to really care, I feel like. Yeah, and it's just if you know things about those other countries, you would know they have the same problems as we do. But as long as you're not from here, it's okay to love. I don't get it. I, I, like I said, I don't get it. And I like I said, this what I'm talking about is not politics. This is sports. When you look at sports, <coughs> if you're really big into being American, you're booed. Let's just put it that way. Let's let's make it that simple. You're booed. You're looked at as corny. You're looked at as all those things. And that is so weird to me. You can be proud to be where you're from. I think as I long think as also, as long as one- you, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was like, you can be proud of me where you're from, as long as you're not proud to be from America. I, the one, the one caveat I would say for that, in terms of more recently, uh, would be American Alpha. Like they, they were like the American tag team. Like Chad Gable was the Olympic gold medalist or the Olympic wrestler, and fucking people loved them. Okay. Okay. Hey, you know what? I definitely defer to that. It's just like I say, it's just been weird, especially the last four years or whatever. And a lot of people will say, oh, you're just defending Cody. And I'm like, of course, I'm a mark. Duh. Uh, of course, I'm <laughs> defending Cody. I, that's who I am. That's good Lord. I will say if we and we'll, we'll get off of this topic and move on to the rest of the matches too. But I feel like it at the most it feels like um, just in, in wrestling a character that's just like the American hero and stuff like that. It, it, leaning away from politics, I think people see it as more as a played out character that we've seen too many times. That may be the case too. Maybe I don't know, but to me it's like if that's the case, then everything in wrestling's played out. Sure, but I think it, if if someone's a, if someone plays a played out character, but they're a really good wrestler or they're really good at certain uh, certain things, though they'll make it regardless. I yeah, think. yeah. Cody's just polarizing in general. There was actually this Twitter poll asking whether Cody could be for AEW. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What John Cena was for WWE, and they just made... There's two polarizing things right there. And They're just talking about in sheer impact and what they mean to the company, and I was like, first of all, Cody's like, a EVP and one of the bookers. He, I mean, to be only John Cena to AEW would actually be probably lowering his impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he, he, I mean, he's t- he's he's taking care of his stuff, but he's also writing and helping book other parts of the company. You know, he's 
literally with the Nightmare Factory, with him, QT, and uh, Ray Lloyd, they're training the future of AEW. His impact on the company would be closer to what Triple H's impact is to WWE, which Triple H's impact to WWE actually dwarfs John Cena. Yeah. In pure popularity, eyes on the product, of course, John Cena. But if you talk about how the WWE, NXT, and all of that works, the inner workings, developing, you know, writing, all that kind of stuff, you can't even measure Triple H's impact. You know what I mean? And it's it's and that would be closer to what Cody is becoming than what John Cena is, which is just you know the biggest superstar in the company. Yeah, but. Uh, we've talked about this, I feel like, enough. I think we can get on to the rest can of the show. Can we really talk about Cody enough? I don't know if that's possible, but I am going to defer to my great host because you are the driver of the show. Yes, yes. We've. I feel like we've laid it all on the table. That my, If you want to talk about polarizing, I guess that would be the most polarizing part of this show. Um, but yeah, we're not going to go after anybody for what whatnot we're just talking wrestling here where it's like it's we how how crazy uptight can we get about shit we're just talking wrestling folks but we have to get to the AEW world tag team title match between the young bucks versus scu fallen angel christopher daniels and frankie kazarian if scu does not win the tag team titles in this match they will break up from their own accord, from what they said, next match they lose, they will no longer tag together. And this match was fucking great, dude. Like, I will say 110%. Outside of the Elite, the first people that I bought into from being the Elite, from All In, from the start of what was going to be AEW. And this is coming from a guy who, for the most part of his life, was a WWE guy. So I will firmly say I did not watch any of Frankie Kazarian and Christopher Daniels when they were in TNA. I did not see any of their previous work on the indies or whatnot. I didn't see any of that. The first thing I saw of SCU was this is the worst town I've ever been in. So there's my background for you. I apologize if I didn't have all that information from the get-go. I'm sorry I was a WWE mark for most of my life. It's not the case anymore. I have become better. But they were the first people outside of the elite that I bought in when it came into what would become AEW. Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, Christopher Daniels. I loved all three of those guys so fucking much. And seeing SCU in this match... Who for the longest, for for a good period of time in AEW, after they won the tag titles and they were the first tag team champions in AEW, they slowly started to kind of fade a little bit into the background as other teams were showing up. And of course, the tag team division in AEW was incredibly fierce and competitive and there were so many new teams flying around and the tag titles were massively protected over and had very few title changes, honestly. Seeing SEU in this match against the Young Bucks... Frankie and Chris, man, they fucking knocked this shit out of the park. I love this match so much. And if you saw the outcome of this match, you saw that the Young Bucks retained the titles. Most of us were kind of expecting that. They no longer tagged together. 
The one thing I will critique a little bit is that I didn't like how it kind of cut to commercial and you didn't really get to get the full impact of when Frankie and CD hugged together after the match was over. I wanted that to be on air, uninterrupted, not focusing on what was coming next or anything like that. That was me personally. Regardless of the fact the match was incredible, Young Bucks were healing it up. Like, S freaking Christopher Daniels got busted open like crazy from a shot to the post and was he was messed up it looked like i was it was really bad and the fucking i'm sorry i love you spot was hysterically bad like evil it was so evil i love i loved it it was like i saw what matt was doing and how he's whimpering because when he was crying over it i was like I knew he was trying to, like, I was either like, he's either going to lure him in to be like, we shouldn't fight anymore, we're friends. But then when he said, I'm sorry, I love you, I was like, you gotta be shitting me. Such a good nod to one of the most important moments in WrestleMania history. I love that spot. The whole match was great. I will say the one, it was a shame with the, the best moonsault ever botch. It's a shame. But the man lost a shit ton of blood, so I'm really not going to go after at him for it. So. At first glance, I thought it was on purpose. Yeah. Like, I thought he was selling the fact that he had bled so much. But he still hit it afterwards, though. So Yeah, so then that made me think it was a botch. Yeah. But, but after all the blood, I knew they were going to win the title. I knew it. I was like, they're going to roll him up. Uh... I was like, they're going to roll them up. And, you know, because I had predicted last week, you know, SCU would win. But once they bled, I was like, and this is, I'm telling you, I got WWE brain. Because in WWE, because they bled that early in the match and was bleeding all the way through the match, they win that match. Or. The case, though. Yeah. Or they get choked out because of the blood and the referee stops the match. But the blood plays into it. The blood really didn't play into the ending. They just lost. <clears throat> they took a BTE trigger and the match was over. It was it was it was really well done, but I felt like and I and maybe it been, might have been C D. He might have just been like, I want my last match to be against the Young Bucks. Which I would you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Or maybe whatever. But when I saw it, I was just like Man, if they win the titles and then the match that they lose the titles is their last match together, I felt like it could have been so much bigger of a moment. And then if like they weren't losing, basically fighting a match six on one or six on two, maybe I could have been like uh like more emotionally involved. It was just it was just like the odds were overwhelming. It, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the NWO back in the day, Ooh. where it would ju- it would just be t- you know two guys, and they just have this overwhelming odds. And at some point, it was just like, okay, this is not fun to watch. Why aren't the referee kicking the six people out? You know, they're obviously having you know something to do with the match. But I thought the match was really done well. Uh, like I said, uh, it, to me, it could have been more, but I love that they gave, I mean, the Young Bucks got the scalp, the, you know, they broke up SCU, that definitely makes them more of a heat magnet, and will get them booed, so, uh-huh. which is what they're ultimately trying to do. I will have no problem booing them at Double or Nothing, 
But, uh, yeah, I don't know how this will work. It was so many good spots in this match that were completely overshadowed by how much Chris Daniels was bleeding. Good yeah. Lord. It was like, that's all I oh, could pay attention bad. to. I'm watching the show, and that's like all I could focus on. I was like, I'm pretty sure there was some great wrestling in there. But he was bleeding so much. I even tried to watch it again. But he bled so much. That's all I could pay attention to. Yeah, I, I was really concerned about it. Yeah. So, hey, but, uh, yeah, shout out to uh, shout out to Christopher Daniels and uh, Frankie Gazarian. Uh, the Addiction, uh, Bad Influence, and now SEU. I think they have literally the most names of any tag team. Probably. In, like, wrestling history. The same two people having that many different tag team names. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I, would think so, I would think so, too. Apologies for me yawning. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I'm like, I know there's different people in different groups or whatever, but these same two people are on their third name as a tag team. Yes, but I got to say, too, before we wrap up on this match, like, truly, I cannot overstate how much SCU has been a core part of AEW and, a recent, like, one of the big things that, like, was one of my big fandoms with this company. Like, th- these guys outside of the elite were the first time where it was like, because when I first was thinking about it, I was like a company of just the elite as a wrestling company, I was like, how much can I really get into that? When I saw they were being there, I was like, oh, fucking, let's go. Let's go. Their whole entrance. They, they were the first entrance at All In. Oh, yeah. Dude, uh, that pop was mega. On the main show. And I believe they were the first entrance at Double or Nothing. That was like the first thing I heard. I don't remember like that first pay-per-view that well enough to say that. But... That SCU when he came out and he said this is the worst town and they did the whole shtick, everybody chanted, everybody popped. It was, it was like, you know, it was like New Age Outlaws. It was Enzo and Cass. It was all those big things you saw in WWE. It was something AEW definitely needed when they came out. And of course, he got Scorpio Sky's name out there <laughs> because That's everyone right. knew who Chris Daniels was. Everybody knew who Frankie K was. Not so much with uh, Scorpio Sky. Yeah, and it's a good thing that he's getting out there, too, because dude's fucking great, too. We had a quick interview with Christian Cage basically saying he's going to be in the Double or Nothing uh, Casino Battle Royale. He's also saying he has uh, an open contract to anybody from Team Taz next week. He will face any of them. He was interrupted by Matt Seidel, and he will be taking that uh, open challenge from Christian Cage. So next week on Dynamite, we will be getting Matt Seidel versus Christian Cage. So we're getting Christian versus uh, freaking Evan Bourne. Yeah, it's important to uh, bring up on this fact that this was probably the original spot for Ricky Starks. We found out this week that Ricky Starks had a fractured neck. It's not going to require, uh, it's not going to require surgery, but that fractured neck is uh, that fractured neck is going to need three to four months to heal. So that is uh, so that sucks for Ricky. So I'm pretty sure this Matt Seidel is just kind of filling in in this role. And I was correct. The pre-show was a casino battle royale. Kip Sabian and Sammy Guevara was on the pre-show. But the first match of the main show, SCU versus the Stronghearts. So I, I I thought I remembered it. I was like, I think they were the first team out at All In and the first team out at uh, Double or Nothing. 
that's how much they are interwoven in the uh, legacy and what will be AEW in the future. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, uh, Tariki Starks, you know, everybody was showing their love for him this week. Definitely love coming from the All Things Elite. Heal up quickly. We can't get you back. I definitely think he is he's one of the people that are going to make AEW what it is going forward. Definitely. We then had the AEW World Championship Eliminator match to determine who Kenny Omega would be facing at Double or Nothing, defending his AEW World Championship against the number one ranked freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy versus the number two ranked Pack. Now, last week on All Things Elite, we talked about our concerns when this match was made, how the focus of this match was very much being leaning towards Orange Cassidy. Not that that's a bad thing. We love Orange Cassidy. But Pac didn't really get any mention in that. And the whole feud was being set up with Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy, where Kenny Omega was just like, let it, it's going to be Pac versus Kenny Omega continuing the feud. Let's just announce it. It's like, no, it's an eliminator match between Orange Cassidy and Pac. And Kenny was like, Pac and who? What? Orange Cassidy came out. Kenny mocked him, stole his aviators, was being all up in his face. So we were all like, there's no way Orange Cassidy loses this match. And it's like, why do we need to pay attention to this match if we already know the outcome? Turns out we didn't know the outcome. The case that took place was that Don Callis shows up, gets on mic saying, like, we need a winner now. Kenny's busy. Win the match. Pin the man. Let's get this over with. Aubrey Edwards is trying to get Don Callis out of the match and, like, get him out of the way. Kenny Omega runs behind blindsides Pac with the heavyweight title. Aubrey Edwards doesn't see it. And Pac was knocked out with a vicious Liger bomb before this match, before the spot too. They can't, uh, neither men can answer the 10 count. So Kenny's like, we got two losers here. So we get the night off at double or nothing. Not the case. Tony Khan comes, uh, Tony Khan speaks into one, Tony Schiavone's ear. Tony informs Kenny and Don Callis, no, it's going to be a triple threat match. You're going to have to face both of them. So I got to say, we were expressing our concerns a lot about this about this uh, whole situation. And I got to say, we didn't expect a triple threat. I had it in the back of my mind because I was always like, well, if they do a triple threat, then they kind of save themselves from like making the match seem ridiculous. But yeah, this makes this honestly seems like the best outcome, I feel like. Well, let me make it be clear. I didn't think they were going to do this because this is not what AEW does. You know, the triple threat is almost uh, a lot of we've come to acknowledge it as the easy way out. So it's not really because they don't do it. So it's not an easy way out for them. But for other companies, it might be. So in this particular case. They went with the double count out, uh, the, the very, very rarely used double count out. The reason they did this is just to go a little behind. Orange Cassidy got kicked in the face and was actually knocked out in the match. He I was, was going to say, he like was not moving. So he was out cold, and Orange, he got back, and he was going to try to continue the match. 
And then they just they went with, you know, the count out that they did. But the big thing is it was so to the point TK actually emailed and messaged all of the uh, media and people and let them know what was going on. This match was actually supposed to go to a 20 minute draw. But because Orange Cassidy was literally knocked out, they did a, a hurried uh, finish and had to change the finish. Uh, but yeah, uh, either way, if this actually, I would have been like, if you're talking about the three different scenarios that could have happened, Kenny versus Pac, Kenny versus OC or triple threat match. This is the second of my, this would be the second of my options. Kenny versus Pac would have been one. Really, reason being, I was in Kansas City for the Iron Man match. I was also at All Out uh, when Pac just beat Omega. So this could have been like Pac versus Omega 3. And the first two matches were like two of my favorite matches of the year that they happened in. So it, it to me, it's like if it wasn't for Cody and Dustin uh, at Double or Nothing, Kenny and Pac in Kansas City would probably be my favorite match. Right, so that that's that's one. Uh, the triple threat match, just because I know they're all talented wrestlers, I thought it would be cool. Kenny versus OC being three, because I am very big on you have to make me believe there's a chance the challenger can win. I don't think I would have went into double nothing thinking Orange Cassidy could win. Yeah, and <clears throat> so. I, it does suck that they're kind of snake beating because a lot of their big moments seem to be uh, a lot of their big moments that they have set up seem to be messed up by like accidents or whatever. But that's yeah. the whole thing about being on a live TV show. Shit happens, and if you can't accept that, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, this the, I I thought he was knocked out from the liger bomb. I guess he was knocked out from the kick. So like I I. I truly thought like I'm like he ain't moving, dude. Like there's this this doesn't look great. So um, I didn't realize the spot was rushed. I didn't realize that wasn't the the idea. Honestly, it's like they haven't had a draw a time limit draw. I think since the Cody Darby match. So I would have liked to actually seen another time limit draw. Shame that's not how it could have gone. But regardless, um, I I think for me personally, the triple threat is the main thing that I would have liked to see because while I love Orange Cassidy going into that match, I don't think there was a good chance that people would believe that he would win. Pack there, there's a good decent idea maybe because there's history between there. I think there's way more interesting stories you can tell with the triple threat though. I think so. That's that's what I'm looking forward to with that, and I think it's the main thing I'm hoping for. Yes, but. But we then had uh, the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers because they saw um, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston trashing the Elite's private dressing room, which is actually what happened immediately after the tag team match, which I wasn't really a massive fan of them cutting to immediately after the match was over because I wanted to see the interaction between CD and Frankie Kazarian. Regardless, the Young Bucks were very mad about that and saying, you know what? We're fighting champions. We're facing the Varsity Blondes next week for the titles. And they asked John Moxley and Eddie, are you doing anything uh, May 30th? Because we, we, you guys are facing us in a super... You're going to be invited to a super kick party at Double or Nothing. So we're going to get Matt Hardy, 
fucking hell, Matt Hardy, Jesus, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson versus John Moxley and Eddie Kingston at Double or Nothing, I assume for the tag team titles, because, I mean, that makes the most sense. What, I can't what, believe I fucking what, said Matt Hardy. What, I mean, it's kind of crazy that, uh, it's kind of crazy that, uh, they're doing it that way. I love how they said we're gonna we we've been doing stuff for everybody else. Shut the fuck up, Siri. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, we're gonna do something for ourselves, and you know. And so they invited them to Super Kick Party. And you know what? It's a perfect way to skip over the rankings. To yes. say I I'm angry. I want to fight you, so we're going to do it that way. I just thought that was a good job. Yeah. And I I, I question the sanity of anyone that would want to fight John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I agree 100%, but I mean, I've, like, I've seen what they've done to each other, as in John Moxley wrapped a barbed wire uh, rope around or thing around, a piece of barbed wire around Eddie Kingston's neck, and choked him out to the point where he had to say, I quit. Listen, it's like, <laughs> like why, why would you want to fight that? <laughs> listen, I, I, I gotta say too, um, with the way the young, uh, young books have been acting, dude, it's like, they ain't fully right in the head, obviously. So honestly, it's like, they need some sense knocked into them for doing the decision like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how you get hurt. That is how you get hurt. Really? <sighs> Hey man, Page in the Dark Order was interviewed basically talking about how uh, Brian Cage beat uh, Hangman and dropped him down to number five ranked in the AEW rankings, but that loss against Brian Cage. And Page is like, listen, I have a huge target on my back, but it took three guys for Brian Cage to end up beating him. So why don't you leave Taz in the back, meet me one on one in the ring, earn your spot. If I can't lose, fine. For you, it's double or nothing though. So we're going to get Adam Page. And and Brian Cage in a rematch at Double or Nothing, and I think this is a decent decent enough singles match that they announced, uh, considering that the win for Brian Cage was really huge. And I guess it's really there just for Hangman to get his win back. Yeah, that's gonna. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was a a pretty smart, pretty good match right there. And you know, you want to keep Hangman from the title picture, and you know, until he wins it, he's all. You know, he's already got the big loss. He lost the big eliminator to Kenny. I think the next time Hangman's in the title match, he's kind of got to win it. Yes. We then had the coronation of the one and only, I suppose what people would say now is the new top faction in AEW. The pinnacle in their coronation. MJF wearing a fucking crown because of course he is. Coming down with his pinnacle brothers, Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears, Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, FTR, and Wardlow celebrating their win at Blood and Guts. And they talked about how, of course, that show, AEW was the number one ranked show on cable on Wednesday night. And he's like, y'all can thank us for that. And he's like, oh, so they're down two men. One, because he stabbed me. The other, because he tripped and took a fall. So... They want a rematch. Do you guys want to see a rematch? No. No rematch. And Tully Blanchard, of course, did a really great promo. Gave a present of, like, multiple expensive watches for Pinnacle members. And when you're the Pinnacle, being part of the Pinnacle, the top of the world is looking down at everybody else. Tully did a really great job in this promo. Honking appears and starts blaring through Daly's place. 
And Sammy Guevara, Ortiz, and Jake Hager arrive in a giant-ass golf cart, pretty much, with some sort of hose attached to it that's, like, strapped like a gun. They say, we want a rematch. And, of course, uh, MGF's pointing out, it's like, I don't see Santana or Jericho anywhere. And Jericho shows up there, armed, like, in a massive cast, like, metal cast, saying, like, will you give us a rematch? uh, MJF once again says no and Sammy Guevara proceeds to spray the pinnacle with a hose filled with a little bit of the bubbly and that caused MJF to be finally like you know what fine double or nothing we'll face you guys in the same match you lost last year stadium stampede and it ain't gonna be a funny silly match because if you guys lose the inner circle disbands forever and I gotta say, I didn't think we were gonna get another stadium stampede match. I thought it was gonna be a one and done situation. And considering that this one is the inner circle versus the pinnacle, I want to see like what kind of situations they set up for this kind of match. Because of course, the elite versus the inner circle was for the most part played up for laughs. There were some really big dangerous spots, of course, but most of it was played up for laughs. And with the Pinnacle being involved, I feel like, of course, Jericho and the Inner Circle are going to have their funny moments. And I feel like MJF is also going to, I mean, uh, Sammy Guevara is also going to have some uh, moments where he can finally kind of take control back. Because the last Stadium Stampede, he was chased by a horse and a golf cart for most of the match. So I think Sammy's going to try to flip the tables on that situation. But it's going to be a different dichotomy for this t- for this stadium stampede match. I didn't think we were getting another one. I'm not upset that we're getting another one though. I am very intrigued to see how this goes. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to this match. I, Tony said he wanted it to be yearly. He wanted the stadium stampede to happen, but I imagine next year, I mean, this might be the last one because without COVID, I don't, think they're going to do too many uh, events at in uh, pay-per-views in Daly's place. So maybe they just they just kind of doing it as a way to say goodbye because I think, you know, once they go back to Vegas, you know, maybe it's a Yeah, casino. you're not going to be doing a stadium stampede unless for some reason they film it earlier at like Las Vegas's arena, which I don't think they wouldn't really get clearance for. And at the same time, too, it's like I think fans would be upset because it's a match that's not taking place in the arena. So, like, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I am looking forward to it. Somebody's like, so you're going to have people, your capacity crowd staring at a screen. In essence, if you are having going to the Jacksonville events, they have pretty much did uh, a pre-recorded match at every one of them. So this is not something. That they're not used to doing. You kind of well, that's the thing. It's like when you kind of do these, you you know how AEW does their TV for most part, where a lot of it's pre-taped and stuff. You kind of know what you're getting into, and if you don't, you're being a little delusional, I think. Yeah, like uh, what I do, what I know is when they when it comes up, that's when I go to the bathroom, I get my snack, and then I watch it when I get home. Yeah, because it's just. You try to pay attention there. It's kind of hard to hear. And, you know, and depending yeah, the on audio your, is a little rough. And depending on where you're watching, the screen's kind of hard to see. You miss a lot. Like, that Sting and Darby match completely transformed for me once I got back to the hotel room, 
hooked up my computer with the HDMI cable and like, oh, so that happened. And I, you know, in the crowd, I was like, yeah, that was a match. And then I was like, oh, I freaking loved it once I got home and got to see it. It's not yes. something, if you're in the room, it's, I don't know if you can enjoy it that way. Like I said, that is my, go get my merch, go use the bathroom, do all that stuff, and then just try to come back before it's over. Yeah. So, I think, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think, like I said, if you if you're getting into a pandemic related show with AEW, and you're not expecting at least some things to be pre taped, like I don't know what to tell you really. But dude, regardless, dude, but I would say it would be cool. We have the show right, and then all the fans can go over to the stadium and watch that's stadium what I was stadium. Saying, dude, just like yo. Go like like if they're literally attached to each other. Yeah, I think it would be cool if like. But is snake is snake bitten as AEW has been on the big stunts and stuff like that? Yeah, it might be safer to pre-record stadium stampede. Of course, yeah, because you never know really how the situation is going to go yeah, when it's you live. You don't want to. Uh, plus, it's you're going to be watching it in the Jacksonville Jack. You're going to be watching it in the in the yeah, yeah. football stadium. So like, that's a lot, and there's no way they're not going backstage. So some of it will still be on a screen regardless. So yeah, there is no way that you know that with the explosion thing happening. I mean, unfortunately, I think after the last pay per view. AEW does need a perfectly executed pay-per-view. It doesn't have to be the best pay-per-view, but they need no major like botches to happen. Yes. So, there. All right. We had a couple quick things uh, before we get into the main event. I think, honestly, we'll kind of quickly fire through these. We had a sit-down interview with Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, about her match against Hikaru Shida. She was just being uh, herself and just continuing to carry herself like the badass bitch that she is and she's doing really well um i think it's just like i said we know kind of what we're leading up to with uh brit baker versus hikaru shida double or nothing this is just another little point to keep that storyline going we had thunder rosa in a singles match against jasmine allure building up the fact that of course she still wants to challenge for the AEW women's title and she wants to get her nwa women's championship back so bringing back Thunder Rosa into the mix, getting her back on TV. A quick backstage interview with Jade Cargill, once again talking about people, managers trying to pick her up and still saying she's that bitch. She handles her own business. Now, I will say, though, with this, we'll, we'll lean on this a little bit. The ideas of uh, Trinidad being her manager are kind of being up in the air now. No, it's not being up in the air. It's dead. I was wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's yeah, dead right. at this point since she's, yeah, she's now showing with back her. up with WWE. Yeah, I mean, it's reported by multiple, like, you know, completely reputable places that she signed with WWE. So, the dream is gone. I don't know who it's going to be. I was wrong. Thank you for bringing it up, Austin. Sorry, sorry. I I don't like to rain on your parade. I know we were all like, when it was right, you know who to go to. But I don't know. Uh, no, no. But he's got to learn how to take his losses. Yeah. No, when I saw that, it was painful. I was like, oh god, that's like son of a bitch. Oh my god. I mean, you know what? That's where her husband works. You know what I mean? It's well, like I said. Like it, she like, seemed and, to be somewhat happy there when she was there. It was just yeah. Well, again, like yeah. with the whole situation as to why she was let go was so stupid and muddy and ridiculous. Yeah, that, it, like, yeah. Honestly, the fact that WWE is like bringing her back into the fold is like a good thing. She's I, a good I, I, I hope, I hope she got 
she gets to do her Twitch. And I yes. hope she didn't have to give up a whole bunch of shit to come back. I hope, you know, they either gave her more money. Uh, either, I hope they either gave her more money or, you know, she, she's on Twitch and stuff. Yeah, because believe me, as soon as I found it, I did end my subscription to her Twitch because I literally, she lost her job. So I was like, dude, I want to support her. So ever but since she's got her job she subscribed to her Twitch, I don't watch Twitch. Me and you have had that discussion. I don't like. I don't even understand. Oh it. man, you don't watch people open Pokemon packs on Twitch. God yeah, damn. Yeah, I don't even understand Twitch and why anyone. If you have a video game system, why you would want to watch somebody else play? Hey, I get, shout out to you if you do. Shout I, out to my uh, Game Grumps fans. Yes, all all of you that That's do. Not Twitch, but regardless, I'm a, I'm an old guy. I'm just like I just rather play the game myself. So I don't get it. So I've been paying for basically nothing. I had been basically donating to the, the Twitch to, Prime. Yeah, uh, yeah, for four ninety nine or whatever. I had been donating to her uh, subscription for like however many months she's been gone. Uh, but you should have used, used Twitch Prime because if you have Amazon Prime, you can just sub to her for free every month. I sub to Funches for free, Ron. Funches. Ah, okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah, Ron Funches is my dude again. Out. At least when I get on with Funches, he's telling jokes and he's funny. With you know, I'm not really watching him play the games. I'm just kind of listening to him make fun of things, and that's hilarious to me. But with a lot of other people, it's just like I don't really understand what's going on here. I'm gonna play MLB the Show now. Uh, so, yeah, I just made it up to the show actually as a pitcher. So I do the franchise. So I am 82 games through my first reg- regular season. I am a pitcher, Floyd Johnson, starting pitcher for my beloved Boston Red Sox. I'm not the ace because Chris Sale's pretty freaking amazing, but I'm the two. <laughs> I'm the two. I have to check to see where I am in the rankings, but I just got up there, so I'm probably still a rookie in that regard. But our team is still garbage. I think we have less than like 35 wins on like near the and we're in like near the All Star break too, so it's like both socks for life, y'all. Okay, but now we can get into the main event of this dynamite. The TNT Championship between Darby Allen and the best man Miro. Am I under? Am I? What? Oh God! What was it again? I got to make sure. I, I can't believe I'm saying. Am I underwhelming? Am I underwhelming now? Yes. So again, AEW likes to play the line, and this is you know I'm clever to positivity, but I kind of got to bury something here. They like to play the line that they are a sports-based product, right? Yes. You know, I don't know the last time an MMA fight or a boxing match that the uh, that the opponent was allowed to beat the shit out of the champion for basically five minutes before the match started. The dude couldn't even stand up. Oh, can you keep going? Yes. What the fuck? Stay, I was wondering, like, Sting, you going to do something about this? Yeah. I'm like, he, that was before the match. He just was getting the shit beat out of him. At very least, the match should have been called off. Very least. But I think outright disqualification for attacking your opponent before the match would have been a reasonable call. I mean, <laughs> here's the deal. 
the whole like Miro jumping him and stuff and like Sting not doing anything and then they just keep the match going like and they don't end it and they're like trying to keep it as more of a sports based product and like there's no real repercussion for Miro doing such a thing. I mean, going into the match, Darby already had the arm injury, so I don't think they necessarily needed to do that. They did. Thought- they I thought if they just came out of the bell and then just started beating the shit out of him, I think that would have been fine. They didn't really need to have him jump him and before the bell rang. Yeah. I was just like, what the hell is this? I'm like, I'm watching it. I mean, you know, I figured Miro's going to win. I had predicted that last week. But I'm like, what the hell is this? Kenny Omega screws over. Kenny Omega screws over Matt Sidell out of a singles match. Tony Khan comes from the back and gives him a challenge. The champion gets the shit beat out of him for seven minutes before the match. Nope. Got nothing to say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one critique I have for it is the whole the what happened before the match. <coughs> he didn't need to do that. Darby yeah. had already had well good reason as to why he could have lost the match to Miro because of the arm injury and because of him falling down the stairs. So I don't think Miro had to jump him before that. But I will say... Like I said, Miro going to the camera being like, am I underwhelming now? Just taking shots at the crowd and the fans who were talking about Miro when he first showed up at AEW. I love that. Fucking Darby flying with his suicide dive through the middle and bottom rope so fast that he not only knocked over Miro, but bounced off his fucking body and ran like flew off to the side was insane. And I mean, dude, while I wasn't a fan of the execution fully, we got Miro as TNT champion. That's what I wanted. I love Darby yeah. Allen. He's one of my favorites in AEW, and I'm glad that he had such a good TNT title run. But now we're getting a massive heel title run again, and Miro, I think, is the guy that can do really good things with it. So I'm, 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 I'm for that. I just wish that they didn't feel the need to have Miro without anybody. Because like I said, they had... Ego pay all ego Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky jump uh, Sting during the commercial break, which didn't really amount to anything because Sting just like kind of stood it off, walked it off anyway, just so he could get over to give um, Darby Allen the fist pump that gave him the extra boost of energy, like that made him fucking fly out of the seat of his pants. And if if while Miro was jumping him and like Darby Allen was getting the shit kicked out of him, if while that was happening, Dar- like. Sting grabs a bat, he's gonna go beat up Miro, but then Ego, Ethan Page, and fucking Scorpio Sky come and beat the shit out of Sting, then I could have been like, alright, Sting couldn't really do anything because he had stuff going on too. But that wasn't the case. So, I like the outcome, it's exactly what I wanted. The match itself, when the bell rang, was great, but yeah, the intro to it, I think, was mishandled a little bit. Yeah, so, match. Perfect match, exactly what it needed to be. Miro looked like a monster. He won definitively. Darby didn't. Uh, did he tap? I don't think he tapped. No, he did not tap. He passed he out. He passed out. He, he didn't stoppage. get pinned. It, it builds up. If you want to build up Darby to, to come after the uh, belt again, great. There was video recording of Darby after the match, and this was probably, in my opinion, something I wasn't supposed to hear was like Darby's best promo ever. He's like, you know, everybody asks me when I'm going for the world title. I don't, you know, I don't give a crap. I don't need that belt. This is the only belt I need, and this isn't the last time I'll be TNT champion. I was like, oh, my God. Again, a person 
I have struggled with getting Darby. I have. I'm very open about my struggles with getting Darby. I got Darby right then. He had just gotten the ass beat, belt taken from him, and all he could think is, bam, I can't wait to fight him again and get my belt back. Relentless. I dig it. I dug it. This is one of those moments. Like I said, a person that has struggled to get Darby, that video should be in his package when he's getting another title shot for the TNT. Yes, it really should. And again, like I said, it really just comes down to the fact that like we we love the fact that Miro is currently uh champion, TNT champion, he's the face of the network. Uh just certain aspects could have been handled better and it would have made this so much more impactful and it would give it would have sold it so much better. Uh if those things were changed, like it would have been perfect, I feel like. But regardless, even with that I think it still doesn't change the fact that the cap off to this show was really strong. It was good. We got a brand new TNT champion. It's Miro. He finally arrived for people who were doubting him. And once again, am I underwhelming now? I'm the TNT champion. In my first title shot, I get, I win. Yeah, he was the violent monster everybody wanted him to be from the beginning. As I stated again, and I, you know, I won't even call this a victory lap. But this is kind of waving to making sure you listen to me and how I'm trying to I'm trying to help people and how they watch TV. Calm the fuck down sometimes. Yes. Good Lord. Just because somebody's not the way you want them to be in two weeks. That doesn't mean that's how they're going to be. Miro got signed unexpectedly. They didn't know he was going to be available. They had no time to plan how they were going to use him in the company. He got in the company. They kind of kept him busy for the while. Then they came up with something for him. And it has been satisfying ever since then. But good Lord, you would have thought, man, Miro was losing every match. The dude is still yet to be pinned. But if you asked, if you looked at the internet, you would have thought he had lost every match since he showed up in AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Dude's still undefeated as far as a singles wrestler, and he's never been pinned. But you know what? Ah, he sucks. I don't like it. No. Calm down. Miro's back. The TNT title tights, the shorts, fucking awesome. Like, I would would buy those shorts in more than (laughs) I just thought that was so cool and such a nice touch. To come out to the ring with the TNT belt on your shorts. Before you even won the belt. Dude. Great. Yeah, it's pretty great. great. It's just a, it's one of those touches AEW does that I love so much. Yeah. But that was AEW Dynamite for this week. Overall, really strong show. Had a lot of big moments on it. It was a good uh, follow-up to Blood and Guts. And going into the preview for next week's Dynamite, though, gotta say little bit underwhelming, and we'll talk about it a little bit. We got John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus The Acclaimed, Anthony Agogo versus Austin Gunn of the Nightmare Family, Serena D versus Red Velvet for the NWA Women's Championship, and the Young Bucks versus the Varsity Blondes for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. And I gotta say, other than Serena D defending the NWA title, and I'm happy to see her again, kind of not looking forward to this. Uh, for Well, not that I'm not looking forward to, 
this stuff, but I'm not mag mega hyped for any of the matches that uh, have been announced so far. And we even checked to see if there were any other matches that we missed that were announced, and I, we didn't see any extras. So, do you know if you would have said, "Hey, this is the lineup for Dark Elevation," I would have believed you. <laughs> oh shit! No, no, like no. look at the matches. No, I'm not. Here's the thing: I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you whatsoever. But I'm just like, oh shit. Yeah, if you would have said wrong. this is the lineup for Dark Elevation, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's a good Dark Elevation. What's gonna be on Dynamite? Eh, it's like, <laughs> I, here's the thing. Like I said, Moxley and Kingston, I freaking love. I, the acclaimed have been great. Uh, Anthony Agogo, getting to see more of him is always good. Serena Deeb defending the NWA Women's Title again is always great. Even though Red Velvet uh, as a challenger isn't necessarily a challenger that's like. Oh shit! Who's gonna win? Regardless of the fact, like I get to see Serena Deeb again, and I fucking love her. I think she's amazing. And of course, the Young Bucks defending the AEW World Tag Team Titles. We are always guaranteed a good Young Bucks shit uh, whenever they're on TV. But yeah, it's like nothing really jumping off of the card so far. That's like holy shit! You got to tune into Dynamite for this. Exactly that, and that's exactly what I would get to. It's just like I, I mean, like. And you know uh, what uh, Caster has to say is going to be dope. Oh yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, he just dropped. He just dropped. They just dropped new music. I remember seeing. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out in the morning, and then I will give my mini review on it. I, I'll, I'll probably have Rich give a review on it because you know. There you go. Rich knows way more about music uh, than I do, uh, and yeah. But I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, Austin Gunn versus Anthony Gogo. Like Austin Gunn, solid wrestler. But he hasn't won a lot, so it's like, okay, a Gogo's gonna win that match. And you're looking at the matches, and you're like, well, this person's gonna win, this person's gonna win, this person's gonna win. You know what I mean? It's just, yep. It seems like I said, it's like it's it's similar to like I don't even know what would be the main event of this Serena D versus Red Velvet. I I don't know what would be the main event. So I imagine they have to announce something else before the show. At least a couple other things. Maybe Cody cuts another America promo. Uh yeah, I, I would love that just because it just piss people. Dude, you you don't understand. People were like, "Well, because this week AEW was under a million. I personally think uh, the NFL did their draft schedule reveal at seven o'clock on Wednesday night. I personally think because their main majority of their audience is uh eighteen to thirty four and eighteen to forty nine men. They were watching the schedule release i don't know why anyone would watch a schedule release. yeah i don't know either, but dude. that no it, 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 it drew high numbers that night so uh again i think that's where the audience went they were watching the nfl draft schedule release but i saw this number where someone had said yeah they were doing over a million into cody's promo and then they averaged on i was like really 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 let me go miss on you really Really? <laughs> I'm like, come on, dude. You're making up fake numbers. At the time, the quarter hours hadn't even come out. It, anywhere. Uh-huh. They're like, they hadn't come out. Like, people were having problems finding the ratings, but they knew it was because of Cody. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> like, literally, this is the definition of it. Like, you yeah. couldn't have pulled those numbers from anywhere because even Showbuzz hadn't had their numbers out yet. Very true. And so, where were the numbers coming from? You made them up because you didn't like his promo, which is so weird. 
If you hate somebody's promo, just hate their promo. I, I, I'm not telling you you got to like the promo. I have never once in this show said you had to like the promo. It's just, good mm-hmm. Lord, why can't it just be a bad promo to you and move on? Yeah, it's like, eh, Yeah, but. yeah, no, I'm still seeing posts today about Cody and how much they hated the promo, and it was the worst promo in wrestling history. Uh-huh, that's, well, fucking hell. That, now people are just trying to, now people are just saying shit for the clout. Yeah, they're so like, let, like let. Steiner math actually happened. Now, it might be classic and looked fondly upon now, but it when it happened, upon when it happened, <laughs> when it happened, people was like, that was fucking terrible. Is that dude high? <laughs> so that did happen. Listen, man. Yeah. Listen, man. As someone, and someone, as someone who got, because of a uh, predi- uh, wrestling predictions punishment, had to go through and read the genesis of McGillicuddy promo and reenact it, there is no worse promo. There's just none. Yeah, so. I'm just letting you know. Like, hey, if it didn't hit with you, I completely understand. I do. Yeah, I, no, I people are just saying shit to say shit because yeah, yeah. Twitter's so much, a fucking free. Oh my Twitter's god, Twitter's a fucking free app, and people just oh my god, fling shit. My friend uses this term. He always says it was objectively bad, and I'm like, that. That's so. I hate that term because it's not. There's no such thing as objectively bad because whether something's bad or good is subjective. Yes, there's so, so the like term you're, you're trying, you're, you're trying <laughs> to jump around shit by making up shit. So. Yeah, it's like the term objectively bad is actually an oxymoron yes. <laughs> because it can't be objectively bad. It was the best it could be is subjective. Yes, good or bad, it ain't like the best it could be. But whatever, we went on too long. Yes, this was a long. This is a more longer episode, but I think we had a lot to say about that. About specifically, of course. Uh, yeah, it was, Cody, was two first, topics. This was the first big Cody thing that we got to talk about, really. Yeah. Yes, and what does AEW need every week? Every more time. Cody. That's yes. it, and that's what it is. And that, that made it. What, you know what? You might hate him, but you're talking about him. You're tweeting about him. Clearly, you're yes. Facebooking about him. You love him. Just admit it. Accept it. Let him into your life. Yes. But that will do it for most of this episode of All Things Elite. I want to say real quick, because we don't have another any other AEW-related news or notes. I got to say, we want to give a uh, condolences to the family of New Jack, of course, ECW original New Jack, who recently passed away. There is, I will firmly say, there is no one who will ever be like New Jack. That man was... Once he got there, like I don't think there was ever a point where he was not New Jack. And their ECW was founded by that kind of crazy, authentic, but also crazy, violent style of wrestling. And New Jack fit in perfectly, and he was one of the main guys that waved that banner. Amen. And again, there will never be another person like New Jack. And I think Paul Heyman said it perfectly on Talking Smack with his – somewhat eulogy that he gave um yeah yes i i will point it i will point out to you go check out that from paul Heyman. i think no one could sum up a wrestler in two minutes better than paul Heyman summed up new jack like as a person that wasn't the hugest fan of new jack uh it made me want to go watch new jack videos paul Heyman is you know wordsmith as it was 
but you could feel the emotion come through and everything he says. I'm not going to even try to reiterate no. what he said because it was that good. I will just tell you to go find it. Yeah, so our condolences go out to his family, of course, New Jack. Uh, again, there will never be another. And also, on a more positive note, a congratulations to a one Tamina Snuka for winning her first championship in WWE. Gotta say, it's great for her. Honestly, I really, I do genuinely you know what? am really happy. Do you know that's so incorrect? Or that's incorrect? And they keep is saying it really? It. I swore she, she was her. That was her first champion. She was the twenty four seven champion. God damn it! Fuck that title. Dude, she was the twenty four seven champion. That Stop was that not champion. her first WWE championship. They've been saying it all weekend, and I've been cracking up because I remember so her bitch. winning the twenty four seven title. Fuck that title, dude! It's so shit. God but, damn it! Okay. But it Fuck wasn't her. It wasn't her first title. Okay, our truth is every day, every raw, I talk. He is on there with his twenty four seven title. It is a real title, the title of great men like Peter Rosenberg. Fuck you that. know, fuck that. Uh, the first ever twenty four seven champion, Titus O'Neil, his only singles title in his WWE career. So despicable. Shout out to my girl Tamina winning her second championship in WWE. All right, fine. Second cha- second championship she's won in WWE, but first one that actually matters. Dude, I, I kept wanting to put that on Twitter, but I didn't want to. People would call me a troll, but it's it's true. It's, here's the it's thing. A, it is true, though. It's a recognized title. Other than R-Truth, I want, and, and other than R-Truth and Bad Bunny, I want that title scrubbed from the WWE history. R-Truth, R-Truth is the most decorated champion in WWE history. Sure. Okay, but honest to God, uh, I gotta say though, it's really good for her though, because I I genuinely am really happy for her. I will say the fact that she does they didn't win it at WrestleMania now makes even less sense if they were already gonna give it to them four weeks later or whatnot. Just fucking why not do it at Mania? Why not? I don't understand. Whatever. Fucking hell. You just need to do like the same fucking matches like four weeks in a while. I don't anyway, I'm not gonna get on my WWE hate train. I don't wanna do that on the show. This is a positive show, but I'm very happy for Tamina. I genuinely am. So I wanna give a shout out to her. Yes, I'm excited. I am excited for nobody Mina than Tamina and the greatest women's wrestler in history of wrestling, Natalia. All right. All right. But that'll do it for all things elite. I wanna make sure you guys continue to share and download and review this fine show, whether you listen to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to us. It means the world if you do all those things. And if you leave a donation through Red Circle, we will love you forever unless you kill someone, in which case we'll only love you a little bit. But we'll also say maybe seek some help at some time. If you want to support us simply, you can follow us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the network that makes this show possible and other great wrestling podcasts possible. Be sure to listen to all of the other Social Suplex uh, podcasts that you can find anywhere on podcast platforms. I myself am at SZoomer4 on Twitter, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will now quickly cut over to Floyd so he can take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. I felt like I've said enough, so I will say be nice to people. Still, uh, even when vaccinated, I still suggest socially distancing and masking, not just for the prevention of COVID. I have found out it allows you to stay not sick for a long time, so you should try that. 
But but I will leave you with like I leave you every week. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.